This podcast is produced by Discipleship.org, championing Jesus' way of disciple-making. For a 10% discount on the National Disciple-Making Forum this October in Nashville, Tennessee, register at Discipleship.org and use the promotional code PODCAST. Producing this episode, I'm Chad Harrington. This story is about James Fourlines and the founding of Final Command Ministries. Their story is unique in this series because most of their work since their beginning has been outside the United States. The other organizations we've interviewed, even if they have an international presence, have done most of their work in North America. Another thing that makes this episode unique is that we get the -the behind-the-scenes story from one of the founders, Jerry Trousdale, the author of Miraculous Movements, which is a book about how hundreds of thousands of Muslims are falling in love with Jesus. Here's the executive director, James Fourlines, about what a fresh look at disciple-making looks like. Then we'll get into their story shortly after that. My name is James Fourlines, and I'm the executive director of Final Command Ministries. We're passionate about creating environments where disciple-making can go viral. We believe that to do this, um, God is going to use ordinary men and women uh, to do extraordinary things. So... We're really asking that we take a fresh look at disciple-making and ask ourselves if um, if our concept might have been too small and limiting. So when you talk about a fresh look at disciple-making, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, one of the interesting things about uh, disciple-making movements, or DMM, um, is that this concept really is a rebirth of a biblical model that did not originate in the United States. Um, the first real movements occurred in places like India and Africa. And um, over the last five years, my context has mainly been in Africa uh, and mainly among Muslim peoples, uh, where there's been over 8,000 churches planted and over 400,000 Muslims who've become followers of Jesus um, through the efforts of those who have adopted a disciple-making movement approach. Um, so as it's been introduced some here in the United States, some have felt like perhaps that maybe some of the pockets of spiritual darkness that have been very resistant to an attractional model approach might be better reached in ways that have been effective among very difficult peoples like Muslim and Hindu peoples. So uh, the kind of interesting thing is for 150 years we've been sending missionaries to the world and this has come back from those abundant harvest fields. So I suppose our primary goal then is to take what has been learned about disciple making movements among very difficult people groups around the world and apply that to postmodern skeptical pluralistic subcultures here in the United States. And if you were to just summarize what the DMM is for people who don't know, what would you say? It is a belief that God is working before we get there. As we pray and fast, he leads us to find people, persons of peace, and we gather as a group with that person, their friends, and their family in a discovery study where the Holy Spirit of God uses the Word of God, creates the people of God, and that is discipleship. And then they are then urged to replicate that again and again and again. James, I'm curious, what has disciple-making looked like in your personal life? It's 
not something that ideally happens within the four walls of a church, or it's not led by those who've been trained necessarily, trained at a Bible college or a seminary. Uh, it can be, but it doesn't have to be, uh, because it's a divine work of the Holy Spirit. Um, an individual can be a disciple maker, even if the person is a new Christian themselves. Um, it starts with prayer and fasting, um, and the goal is to go. Uh, so we believe that God is working all around our cities, among subcultures, um, and the church um, is right now finding those very difficult to reach and disciple. Um, but God really is in a relentless pursuit of them, and so as we're praying and fasting, we can become attuned to our spiritual sensitivity to hear where he's sending us and to whom we should go. And as we're going, we're looking for, as Luke 10 tells Jesus, as he told the disciples, we're looking for persons of peace, those who are people who are open to his message. They're already uh, drawn by his spirit. And so when we find those persons of peace, we would encourage them, including some of their friends and their family, to do a discovery Bible study. Uh, this is about really discovering and obeying, not just teaching and knowledge. When did this passion for disciple-making really kind of take root in your life? Obviously, you know, you went from maybe your parents weren't really equipped to uh, disciple you as intentionally as, as other models um, that you've observed, or, or you know, in the attractional model, it's not as, as common for families to disciple so when did it really take off in your life, Like, and when did this become a passion for you? I've been involved in global evangelism for a long time, and back in 1994, I probably had some frustration with the pace in which we were able to see churches planted and disciples made. And, um, and I was given uh, a little booklet called Church Planting Movements, um, and I read that, and something in my heart resonated and said, this is true. Now, that now, what was known as church planting movements is now known as disciple-making movements, simply because the Great Commission is one thing, go make disciples. And as you're making disciples, you will be planting churches. And um, so I started looking at different models that I had never really understood or been exposed to, and as I saw that, I really, there was something in my spirit that said, that confirmed this is true. We really need to rethink some of what we have been thinking. So it's been a, a little over a 20-year journey uh, to get to where I am. Then there was a book that came out just a few years ago by the founder of our organization called Miraculous Movements. Um, and that was um, that and the author, Jerry Trousdale, uh, had been very uh, influential in my thinking in recent years. You're listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast. We bring you stories of disciple makers who are making disciples who make disciples of Jesus. Today's episode is James Fourline's story. James is the executive director of Final Command Ministries. He's been talking about what exactly their ministry does, and you may have caught it. They create environments where disciple making can go viral. I wanted to know the story about how this ministry started, so I asked James about that story. He kept mentioning this guy, Jerry Trousdale, so I called him, too, to get his take on the story. Here's how it all started. Well, Jerry was uh, a missionary, actually, to Sierra Leone back in the 1970s. Uh, that's kind of a long story, obviously, but um, uh, he would say that he wasn't a particularly productive missionary. 
Um, he spent a couple of terms there, came back, um, and he would say, I really didn't disciple people. Uh, but he discipled one guy that he said he truly was able to disciple this guy. This guy eventually was the one who discipled Shadonke Johnson. And so after a period of about 20 years or so, while Jerry was pastoring out in California, coming to Thomas Nelson to become the director of consumer marketing from them, being involved in uh, broadcasting, uh, religious broadcasting, and so forth, uh, God called him back to um, to Sierra Leone uh, to be involved in reaching the Susu people, uh, a very resistant Muslim people group in Sierra Leone. There really had not been churches planted among them, though efforts had been 40 or 50 years at that point. And um, so uh, it was kind of a lot of providential circumstances connected Jerry and Shadanke and Yamuso with David Watson who had seen disciple-making movements happen in India among the Bush Bushpuri. I'm Jerry Trousdale. Um, my, uh, my title at work at City Team Ministries is um, Director of International Ministries. Um, I'm uh, a co-founder with Claude King of Final Command, and probably most people know me as the author of Miraculous Movements, How Hundreds of Thousands of Muslims Are Falling in Love with Jesus. Jerry, before you wrote the book Miraculous Movements, you co-founded the organization that James Fourlines now serves as the executive director. So I wanted to ask you as the co-founder, how did Final Command Ministries start? Well, it, it started uh, actually um, after, after uh, um, I met David Watson and a couple of my colleagues uh, did, and we were introduced to the concepts of church planning movements, disciple-making movements. And, uh, well, I, I, I have to tell you that I was a skeptic. Um, I had been a missionary, um, and I had uh, served in Africa. Uh, I had some great training. I had some academic training about making disciples and not making converts. And um, But I I didn't do that. And so, uh, so after being a sort of a failed missionary after four years working with a Muslim people group, had planted some churches, but they all were destroyed in the war. I went to, you know, to work on a doctorate at missions, uh, and uh, from then pastored a church, a mission-sending church in California. And um, and so my life had been all about uh, disciple-making and uh, church planning until um, in sort of in my mid-40s, I just, um, shit, I, I lost hope that we had this spiritual technology to finish the task. You know, it costs so much to plant a church. It took too long for our Westerner to go to a foreign country, to, you know, just a good eight or nine years just before they were very productive. And then, you know, usually they were gone in a, in a few years and on and on. The problems were insurmountable. And so I thought, well, maybe it'll be our grandkids' generation. And so I had actually given up on missions and gone into um, Christian radio and Christian publishing, and then the Lord just uh, pretty sort of uh, miraculously uh, began to cause us, my wife and I, to sense that He was calling us back to missions. And so, anyway, that started a process in which uh, we invited David Watson, uh, or we invited the perspectives on the World Christian Movement, to come to our town, 
And um, when it did on Lesson 13 was David Watson. And uh, uh, it had been five years since I had left Christian Publishing, and we still didn't have answers, but we were sending missionaries into harm's way uh, in faith that one day we would maybe have answers as to how do you break the code of the Muslim world. Um, And David Watson showed up, and he was one of the fathers of church planning movements. And uh, David, in two and a half hours of sharing stories, uh, rocked my world. And and one of my colleagues from Africa was there, a key leader, Shadanke Johnson. It rocked his world. And uh, we began pursuing David to coach us and mentor us. And and from that, final command was, was formed. Claude King is the was the co-founder with me. Many uh, people who are listening will know that name from Experiencing God, the co-author of Experiencing God. And, um, and, and we, we shaped it with a vision of, that had come from time with Africa, for, with our Africa team and myself, praying and asking God, saying, Lord, what should we ask you for? And what we heard the Lord over a series of days praying was asked me for the 18 largest unreached Muslim people groups in Western Central Africa to have a movement uh, among them. And that just seemed absolutely insane. But that's what we wrote down, and that's what we sort of said, this is our goal, and we'll press on towards it. And the rest sort of uh, is history. And actually, that chance encounter, that providential encounter, happened here in Nashville at a perspectives class where uh, where, uh, David Watson was talking about reproducing church planting. What happened was uh, David Watson was sharing what had happened among the Bujapuri, who in 1990, there were a handful, less than 10 churches. And by 1994, there were 2,000 by today. Uh, 25 years later, there's over 3 million Bushpuri believers. Um, and at the end of that session, Shadanke looked to Jerry and said, either this man is lying or this could change Africa. And so they went up and talked with uh, David. David agreed to come and do a training. It was supposed to happen in Abidjan, uh, but there was a civil war, so they moved it to Freetown, which is the area where Shadanke is from, and he had 50 of his men who were there at that training, and uh, they all 50 were able, they had basically an attractional model focused on buildings and professionally trained clergy, Um, and they all 50 kind of heard that at once, and um, God caused them to say, we're going to change the way that we're uh, making disciples and planting churches. Um, and so that what started there then has has gone across Africa. There are six or seven hundred different ministries that are now doing disciple making movements, and over a million people, including about four hundred thousand Muslims, have become followers of Jesus during this process. We're taking a break from the story to hear more about how you can grow as a disciple-maker by joining the national conversation that's going on right now. For starters, join the Discipleship.org National Forum for Disciple-Making at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Nashville, Tennessee, this October 6th and 7th. 
This is a two-day conference specifically for you. If you're a leader of any type in the church, paid or unpaid, volunteer or on staff, pastors and laypersons alike will learn best practices for disciple-making today. It's on a Thursday and a Friday so that you can travel from just about anywhere in the country and still make it back for Sunday. This year's theme for the forum is called Culture Shift, Back to Jesus' Way of Disciple-Making. This conference is the first of its kind because 10 disciple-making organizations will all be in one place at the same time. Each organization will host a track at the conference. One of those 10 tracks is hosted by Final Command Ministries, which Jerry Trousdale founded with Claude King and which James Fourlines currently directs. Their track this year is called Viral Disciple-Making Movements. Here's James on why he's excited about this year's forum. Well, if disciple-making is the call of the Great Commission, and if being a disciple is one who is living in obedience to God, and if God blesses obedience, then there is no other issue that's more important in the church today than this. So I really am looking forward to the discussions and our interactions that can help us all to be more effective disciple-makers. Register for the National Forum for Disciple-Making at discipleship.org. Get a 10% discount if you're coming by yourself or bringing a group that's not yet registered by using the promotional code PODCAST. Also, if you want to know more about Final Command Ministries, go to finalcommand.org. And now back to the story. We've already heard some from Jerry Trousdale about the founding of Final Command Ministries, but it wasn't all coming together for me. He had shared the story about his encounter with David Watson and with this thing called the Discovery Bible Study Method, but I didn't quite get how it all came together into a ministry. These encounters sparked a movement in his soul and in the souls of those who were around him. He now shares how that move of the Spirit finally became Final Command Ministries. So, Jerry, what happened next in the story after you heard David speak with Shadanke? Uh, what I mean is, how did that eventually become Final Command Ministries? Uh, we, we went and uh, our we followed David around for for one thing, and we uh, we tried to uh, make a nuisance of ourselves until he would give us the time we needed. <laughs> to, and he really was discipling us in in this process, and uh, and coaching, and he mentored us, and then eventually he um, and eventually we raised enough money to do in in two thousand and five. We raised m- enough funds to do two trainings in Africa. And um, and so uh, City Team attended those trainings, and and out of that, a partnership between City Team and Final Command evolved, uh, which provided some more research resources. But that was sort of the launch of it. Um, we had a couple of African leaders on our on our team, uh, Shadanke Johnson, Yunusa Jal that had um, great currency in, um, in, in Africa. When they called meetings, people would come from, from 20 or 30 countries. And so, um, so what began in Anglophone West Africa and in Francophone West Africa now has spread to uh, 27 countries in Africa. And that was sort of the launch. And the, the, the vision that we had of the 18 people groups um, is about, 60 to 60, 60 to 70 percent fulfilled what we were dreaming that there would be at least 100 churches in each one of them. And um, and in some of those cases, the numbers are way over in the multiple hundreds in, the, in those people groups. 
what was your heart in founding an organization to do this? In other words, why didn't you just kind of do it on your own or, you know, just, just do one or two trainings? You know, what, what was the point for you in, in forming an organization called Final Command Ministries? Well, I think, um, I think the reason was, um, we wanted to be catalytic. If we wanted to do, we wanted to do two things. We wanted to prove the concept. We, we wanted to see, does this really work? And if it does work, uh, is it reproducible? And so that's why we started, we started not just sharing it with, um, people that we knew in Africa, but people that they knew. And so the, the goal was to create partners of the partnerships with the willing um, to to be able to catalyze other ministries having success. So our, our goal has always been to have some apostolic teams that are out there doing it. Because candidly, um, if you if if people can't if people can't see it themselves and see it happening, there most people are disinclined to change everything they ever learned about disciple making. But when they actually see it working and and multiplying rapidly, and by rapidly I mean you know a generation or two a year, um, then then all of a sudden they say, "Wow, this is for real," and the fruit of it is is not uh, you know uh, Christians that are not solid. The fruit of it is whole communities that are transformed, and we begin seeing communities coming and asking for. Uh, unreached communities coming, and Muslim communities coming and saying, send us the storytellers that were telling the Bible stories because that, that were really, um, those were really nasty people across the way. And now they are delightful people and we want to be like them now. And so, uh, we, they, and so, and so, um, I, that was what we wanted to do. We wanted to have apostolic teams who could actually do it. And then, but an each apostolic team not only had a task to to plant disciples and churches in places the gospel had never gone, but to let all of the other churches and ministries around know about it and say, if you want to join us, we would love to coach you in what we're learning. And uh, and by that way, now there's there's some something north of. Uh, I think something north of 600 different partners we have in Africa right now that are actually doing it a lot. So, so Final Command was designed to be a catalytic organization. Yeah, and when you talk about the it that's working in in just crazy ways, what is it that people are doing? It's obedience-based discipleship. Um, it, it's discovery processes. Um, you know, I, I will tell you this. David Garrison and I have talked about this uh, as we've uh, exchanged notes over the years. There are no movements that are not obedience-based discipleship. David and I both have gone and been asked to, you know, look at places and see what we think. And and uh, and the one thing that is absolutely clear is if you do not have obedience-based discipleship, you don't have the kingdom of God. Um, because it's God's will where we live as it is in heaven. Um, and, uh, and that's what brings transformation. And the, attract- the attractional thing is the transformation. People are attracted to change lives. And, and that, uh, you know, when we see it in North America, especially in Hispanic communities, 
we will see sometimes in discovery Bible studies, and 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 one of the ways you can make sure something gets obedience done, but without legalism, is to have people discover the scripture themselves, and and ask the Lord what is the that application in their lives, and that's not that's not legalism, that is that is seeking the help of the Holy Spirit to obey what they're learning in a passage. And so we, we see discovery Bible studies happening on the West Coast here in America, where when before they have finished, say, 26 weeks of creation to Christ, and most of these from no, uh, nominal Catholic backgrounds, and sometimes it's it's sort of worse than that, it's more Christo-pagan, um, they will have called their family in, uh, in Juarez or someplace, and they've started one on the phone, and they will have started another. I, I remember interviewing people, and they said, we're already two generations down from from this Discovery Bible study, but we're about four, five weeks, six weeks ahead of each one. And and we're all working together in this, and, and we're all experiencing transformation. We're, husbands and wives say, you know, some around week four or five, they start saying, you know, something is happening in our family where we're being healed. Um, so that that's what it, so I'm unabashedly saying obedience-based discipleship that will aligns with Jesus' words as he ascended, teaching them to obey everything is, is, is absolutely mission critical. And if someone wanted to uh, do one of these discovery Bible studies and and really practice obedience based discipleship but they haven't before how how do they do that how do they get their hands on on this well we we talk about that in in um in miraculous movements um uh, we talk about that i believe in the, in the in the, the um david david watson's book um contagious disciple making there, there are videos online. Team Expansion has videos. I, I did a sample Discovery Bible study uh, with them recently. Um, there are other resources at City Team and FinalCommand.org, FinalCommand.org and CityTeam.org that um, that uh, talk about the Discovery Bible process. There are churches now in North America that are beginning to do it. I. I am a new member of a church and um, where I live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And Chad, I have to tell you, it's sort of funny because as we were going through the new members process a few weeks ago, um, uh, at, at week four, they said, now, now week five is something that's very special, but we can't tell you what you're going to do. And I said, oh, please, just give us a hint. And so they said, okay. Well, you're going to learn a new way of discovering the Bible and making disciples by starting groups we call Discovery Bible Studies. <laughs> and, and I thought, well, hallelujah, I can die a happy man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I believe the favor of God, you can make a lot of mistakes, but if you're seeking to make disciples, not converts, if, if you're seeking to empower ordinary people to change the world, if we're willing to embrace the sacrifices that are part of that, if we're willing to to embrace God providing the resources in the harvest, those sort of kingdom values, then I, I believe, uh, because all of those are risks, and it takes courageous kingdom leadership, especially if you're in a leadership role. 
but um, I believe that God is uh, uh, going into into North America. I believe is the next frontier, and we're seeing glimpses of it, but we're not seeing it widespread. And um, I, I, but I believe um, that if you follow hard after um, some way making disciples that obey God, that's not legalistic, but it's it's filled with the Holy Spirit's guidance. So I I, I would just encourage you to give it a shot and see what the Lord might do. To close out this episode, here's James on what's been the greatest challenge in making disciples that he's faced in his life. For me, it was, uh, it has been overcoming the thought of what disciple-making was. I I think at one time, disciple-making to me would have been uh, taking a person who had come to faith in Christ and teaching them uh, a certain series of truths, um, and from that point in time, trying to uh, give a, give them a greater sense of spiritual formation. Um, and the greatest challenge would have been a mind shift, uh, a shift in my mind that really disciple-making is that, but it's more than that. And it really starts for me, with prayer and fasting. That would have been the greatest uh, challenge uh, to overcome. Yeah, and and how have you overcome this challenge? Well, uh, certainly incorporating prayer and fasting as a daily, uh, as a a regular part of of life uh, and becoming sensitive uh, to the Holy Spirit's work. It really is His work, uh, not mine. Uh, I join him where he is working, and I don't think that I always had a real clear sense of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in my life. I just, there were things that I knew to do, and I just went about doing them. Uh, But one of the things that I've learned from my African brothers and sisters uh, that I never learned in a, in a, uh, similar way anywhere else was the real capacity to be sensitive to when God is dealing uh, with us. Where is he leading us? Who is he leading us to? And uh, that's been something that has been very rewarding for me uh, to be able to do. Yeah, you mentioned fasting, and I think that's really interesting, especially for Americans. So I'm curious um, more about your heart about fasting how does that help you to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Well, I think as we place a priority on listening to God, and we realize that that is something which takes precedence at times over eating, and we say that um, to God that hearing from you as the deer pants after the water, so my soul longs after you. Um, that is what fasting causes us to focus on if we're intentional with it. Um, and as we are intentional with fasting, we start realizing there is there's communication that is not just one way in prayer. He really is trying to speak to us. He's trying to lead us. Uh, the Apostle Paul was told not to go to Bithynia, 
somehow he knew he wasn't supposed to go to Bithynia. There was a spiritual sensitivity that was very clear. And it was after that that he heard the Macedonian call, come over and help us. Uh, so uh, I think fasting does help us to be more spiritually attuned. Uh, and what has helped me is to be around people who are spiritually attuned um, and to understand from them what that looks like and how we can hear from God. Uh, so I think that is a very important thing for the U.S. church. I think that it is something that we have not practiced a whole lot in our faith traditions, uh, but I think it is something um, which was practiced very much in the early church and something uh, that we need to learn today. Why are you a discipleship first person now? Well, Matthew twenty four fourteen says when the gospel is proclaimed among every people group, then the end will come. Uh, that's the Great Commission. Uh, and the Great Commission is one thing, go and make disciples. I mean, those of us who are followers of Jesus, uh, we really don't have an option at this point. Uh, we are called to be disciple-makers, ordinary men and women, not just those who are ordained, not just those who have gone through uh, a year-long disciple-making course, but every individual. That's what happened in the early church. That's how they turned the Roman world upside down in a matter of a few generations. And that's something that we need to recapture. All of us, everyone, disciple makers. You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast by discipleship.org. Learn how you can grow as a disciple maker by visiting discipleship.org. Make sure to register and join us this October for the National Disciple Makers Forum in Nashville, Tennessee.